Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 532 of Underground Sports Philadelphia, presented by the City of Vineland. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We just watched the Phillies walk it off against the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll talk Phils. We'll obviously talk about our Philadelphia 76ers, and we're going to get into some NFL schedule release leaks, some things regarding the Philadelphia Eagles, the Union, and of course Survivor 44 on tap at the end of the episode for the true blue diehards of the show at the end. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us at Underground PHI on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI. You can watch every Wednesday show live, twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. Make sure you follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way for helping the show continue to grow. Helps more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia and all of the content that we're putting out in podcast form. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this podcast twice a week. You get full video episodes of every show on our network. You get clips, live streams, interviews, the whole nine yards, all on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. And like I mentioned, this podcast presented by the City of Vineland and the City of Vineland Municipal Calendar features city-organized, city-sponsored, and city-affiliated events that are of public interest. The calendar, which is accessible at vinelandcity.org, is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness, remain engaged with city government, and participate in local events. You can also follow them uh, follow the City of Vineland on social media via their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube pages. Through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Maine Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support of this podcast. What's going on, Matt? I'm living the dream. We are indeed living the dream with both of the the teams in action uh, right now, and that includes the currently up 3-2 in the Eastern Conference semifinals, Philadelphia 76ers. It's brought to you by our friends and our awesome merch partners at PHI Apparel Company, who provide unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philadelphia and our podcast network with their original designs for all. There's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd if you're going down for Game 6, if you're going to Citizens Bank Park this summer, at the link at Subaru Park, going out to the bars, hanging at home. You're going to have the best merch available if you're rocking merch from PHI Apparel Company. 
Our listeners can use promo code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing. Go get your merch. They've got awesome Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, Union, even Philadelphia Stars merch. Um, Go get your Joel Embiid MVP shirts from them. And, of course, get your Underground Sports Philadelphia merch. We want to see where you guys are rocking our merch from. Tag us, tweet at us, tag PHI Apparel Company as well. And uh, make sure you use that promo code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel order when you shop online at phiapparel.co. Matt, the Sixers do the unthinkable. They win Game 5, tied 2-2. First Game 5 win in Boston since 1980. And they are now up 3-2 on the Boston Celtics after a 115-103. Pretty convincing victory over the heated rival Boston Celtics. Yeah, shades of Game 4 where the, the Sixers were in control for a lot of it, except you didn't have the uh, late game collapse like it seemed like we were going to get out of Game 4. A lot of people were ready to throw themselves on the funeral pyre in the, the closing minutes of that game. But um, Game 5, I think, was the most complete game the Sixers have played these entire playoffs. I think it was uh, the best performance we've gotten out of Embiid so far. It wasn't Harden's most impressive game, but it was a good performance out of him. Uh, role players chipping in. Yeah, Daniel House uh, even come off the bench because Doc Rivers said that he just had a feeling. It was not based. It was based solely off vibes. It was not based off anything else. So maybe he should be basing more decisions off of vibes. But yeah, puts obviously the Sixers in a really strong position. You know, potential to close it out tomorrow in Game Six, and I, I think you have a, a great opportunity to do that. It was just. Um, I mean, the last two games especially, I think, have been, just been such good performances by the Sixers, again, you know, discounting that kind of collapse at the end of game four and, and it really seemed like it could have gotten away from them. Um, you know, I, I think the way they've, they've turned the series around now after being down 2-1 and it really feeling like this team could could drop out in five. Uh, you had two really bad hardened games. Um, you know, they've, they've definitely turned the corner, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be kind of finding that team aspect, especially in this game. Um, Tyrese Maxey stepped up in a huge way, 30 points from him, 7 rebounds in 42 minutes, played the most minutes of any Sixer in Game 5. Uh, and like you said, James Harden, not the like gaudy numbers that we've seen in Games 1 and 4, only took 8 shots, but he got to the line 10 times, and that's what you want to see from the Sixers is getting to the free throw line. That's how they have been uh, successful against some of these you know upper echelon teams is being able to draw fouls and, and use that to their advantage and how successful they are at the free throw line. Tobias Harris, thankfully, uh, stepped up in a big way in this game. 16 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, and Joel Embiid, 33 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists in 37 minutes. And they get home court advantage again, too, which I think is huge for this game six. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny, though, because Boston has, has typically not done well in recent history at home in the playoffs. They have a 9-10 and 10 record in the last 19 home playoff games, so um, might actually be better if we, you know, uh, we, we were going to the Garden again. But obviously, you know, having the opportunity to, to close it out at home is big. Um, I will say, I mean, both home crowds though, have not been at it, you know, at, at, at all this series. You definitely heard a lot of booing in game five in Boston and I didn't think uh, game three you know the the first quarter I think there was a lot of energy but that was also sapped out a lot with the the Sixers performance because it wasn't very good 
but a lot of that was off the back of the MVP announcement and, and all that. Um, I haven't thought that the home there, – there, I don't think there really has been a home court advantage in this series no. outside of, like, just having rest, you know, and just being, like, in your home city. Like, I, I really don't know that the crowds have been uh, engaging enough to, to really influence the teams in any way. So, you know, I, I think uh, I think we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think the, the Sixers definitely have a little bit of a, a psychological edge. You know, it really felt like – I wouldn't call that game a Celtics implosion. They definitely felt like a, a defeated team, though. Like they were, they're making some runs, and you know the Sixers just found ways and ways and time and time again. If it was a maxi dagger or whatever, to sort of just stop uh, stop any kind of run, and you know you kind of just have to wonder what that might do, you know, mentally to a Celtics team that has had a habit of you know not performing well in like big clutch situations this season. They've had a habit, I think, of like losing control of games. Um, not that the Sixers have been perfect all the way around, but you know, I, I think if you're looking at it from that angle, I think the Sixers have a real opportunity to, to, to really finish this off, and they should because I, I think they've been really good the last two games. They've put on a, a good performance, and I, I think even too, like Doc deserves credit uh, for, for some of the adjustments he's made. He's had like Maxi bringing the ball up, which really limits how Boston was trying to take Harden out of the game, especially in games two and three. And, you know, I, I think that was a really smart adjustment. Um, he's been willing to go with someone like Daniel House, right, and and sort of uh, try things. And I don't know that Doc of years past is doing that. I, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think um, I think he's made some some good choices there. And, you know, the Celtics, listen, they, they could still win this. You know, they were in the same exact sp position last year. You know, they, they lose game five and, and win two straight against the Bucks to, to advance. So um, I'm certainly not calling this series over, but. I, I feel so much differently about this team than I did, you know, at the beginning of this series and even just a few days ago. Saturday night I was talking to a friend and we were talking about the Sixers and felt like, you know, Harden's probably gone in the summer. Um, you know, I, I think we lose in five, maybe six, and I, I you know, I just it it really did not seem like this team was, was gonna be giving us these performances. And I'll say this too, Embiid that was the, the healthiest Embiid mm -hmm. has actually looked all playoffs, even pre injury. I think that was his best performance. He really was, did not wow me at all in the net series. So um, I thought that was his best performance. We've definitely seen him defensively really be a threat to the Celtics uh, in this series. Like they are, they are straying away from the paint when he is in it. And, uh, you know, Doc has been good about finding ways to, to allow him to still be able to influence the game defensively. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they said uh, in the first half, Embiid was just wearing like a, a sleeve on his knee, didn't yeah. have the brace, and then he did add the, uh, something later on in the game. But that's also a really good sign. It's like he's kind of testing the pain tolerance, seeing what he's capable of, and for him to be able to go a, a full half, kind of you know weaning off of, of the full knee brace, that's got to be a positive sign in terms of just his recovery. I mean, and he also reverse posterized Jalen Brown on a block on a block and and ran up the court the other way and drew like those are like the plays you know where we're kind of associate with Joel Embiid so it's good to see him do that um it's also terrifying at the same time but yeah I think the fact that he's willing to do those things maybe means you know he's recovering well enough um that was my major you know point and concern of this series was you know, I, I don't think you win this series without him being back, and I don't think you win this series without him being back and him being at least, you know, seventy-five percent of himself. You really, you really can't afford to have had a a, a really diminished Joel Embiid in this series. Uh, even if you just look at him from Game Five to to, to all the way back to Game Two, I think uh, Game Two he definitely looked like he was someone nursing an injury still. Um, really didn't get a lot of that feeling in Game Five. So hopefully, you know, he continues with that that positive trend because. 
we'll need him again to have a, a big impact in game six if you want to go and then you know if you're looking beyond that you know if, if you want to win a championship you need them to be there and and available 100 percent. and i mean everybody's also talking now you got to have the most generic under the radar bell ringer uh for game six and i don't know who you call upon for it because i gotta say game four did not see wanda sykes coming right whatsoever and that was a, a positive i think it's got to be one of those out of left field type of situations you can't be too over over the top with the bell ringer in game six we need like a a B minus C plus Philly celebrity. We we cannot do, cannot do Jason Kelsey. No. We cannot do Triple H. No. We can, like we can't do. Unfortunately. We obviously cannot do the big names, um, because there's clearly there's just some kind of curse. I don't know what other like uh, just kind of generic Philly like celebrities or athletes you could get, um, but that's that's who we. Someone need to said it about. needs to be a process sixer. <laughs> Even that I think is actually no. I I don't think that's. I mean, like, you could do, like, TJ McConnell, but I yeah. think that's actually – I think you're just inviting danger at that point. Not that TJ McConnell is equivalent to Jason Kelsey, but there's a, there's a similar vibe that they're bringing that I think uh, someone – I saw somebody say Tony Roten. I just think you're I, – I think you're you're asking for trouble with that. I really do. Yeah, I don't know who it would be. I don't know who they're planning on. Um, but you, you got to keep it nice and simple. Don't go too over the top and uh, – secure a, a game six win and finally you know break this curse it has been <laughs> far too long we talked about it like right when the second round was starting like hasn't been since 2002 or 2001 whatever it was that the Sixers have gotten out of the second round and gotten to the conference finals and you know just looking at the landscape of of what the east is right now and just the nba as a whole with the final teams remaining like you get to the conference finals, you're putting yourself in such a good position to have the opportunity to go to the finals, more so than any other year, um, simply because of just the way this team is playing right now, who's on this roster. And we, you can't overstate, I think, how important, like, sure, it doesn't show up in the box score, but my God, how important P.J. Tucker has been. Yeah, P.J. Tucker, I think, gives you the, the mental edge that this team has just not had in years past. Um, you know, you saw it. He was hyping and beat up uh, near the end of, of game four. And I think those words probably uh, motivated him a little bit to, to kind of turn it on because he was having a really bad performance in that fourth quarter. Um, you know, I, I, there's an alternate timeline where we're sitting here where the Sixers have just lost in five and it's off the back of uh, Joel Embiid, like getting blocked four times by Al Horford. And, um, you know, on the same night, Nikola Jokic dropping like 50 plus. Like, like that's that that, not that's, a reality I want to live in. Right, but I, we were... <laughs> We've very, been there before. We were very close to that reality, very close to that timeline. But, yeah, I think P.J. Tucker is... We've not had an asshole on this team mm -hmm. uh, in the last few years. We, we've never had someone that uh, dabbles in the dark arts, and you need that at, at this time of the year. Um, he's obviously not impactful scoring-wise, but I think, honestly, like, what he gives you is, like, I think he, he raises everyone's kind of, like, floor around him in terms mm -hmm. of like their intensity like i think when you see someone working so hard especially because he's like a veteran he's not like some young guy that's like right. trying to prove himself the fact that he's like at an older age and is still like working hard for rebounds um you know and, and we even talked about that in the net series how impactful you could see he was i think he's he's definitely had uh you know he, his thumbprints are definitely on this series you know it's it's not a it's not a huge takeaway but i think 
it has been something this team has not had in years past. Like, I, I think if we have a P.J. Tucker type in uh, 2021 against Atlanta, we win that series in five. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I just think I, – I actually think Ben Simmons probably retires from basketball if he's playing with P.J. Tucker. <laughs> I think that's that's actually probably more likely. I also think we are – oddly enough, Ben Simmons is winning something because I don't know if Anna Horford showed up to a game in person yet. Well, I don't care. <laughs> We, I had a, a bet with, with Pat Pitts on an episode right before the series started. I said, and I brought this up at uh, at Zoe and Seamus's live pod. I said, who shows up to more games in person against their series against the Sixers, Ben Simmons or Anna Horford? So far, Ben's up 2-0. Um, I am going to read you a stat line, Matt. I want you to uh, guess the player. 25 minutes played. Zero points. 0 for 7 from the field, 0 for 7 from the three-point line, a minus 18, and one series-altering shimmy. I, um, I, you know, I, I don't want to tempt fate here, uh, but that is Al Horford. That is Al Horford. And I just, I'm waiting on just, like, the total karmic comeback where he has, like, a 23-point game six and he goes back to Boston for a game seven and we're all just like, ah. <laughs> I, you know, like... It feels good to, to kind of be in, like, the, the strong position here, but there's no part of me that is, like, unclenched uh, because mm-hmm. it, until until I actually see this team move past the second round, I'm just I'm still uh, a bit of a skeptic. Um, like I said, they, they obviously have a, a good position. I think the, the team that wins Game 5 in this situation ends up winning the series 82% of the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, they've put themselves in a commanding spot now to, to actually advance and get to a conference finals. Um, but you have to close this team out, I, I, I think. You do yourself a lot of good by by making that official tomorrow night, like punching your ticket. And, you know, listen, kind of hope maybe the Knicks could extend the series, you know, and maybe uh, give you even a, a few more extra days rest if possible. Like, beggars can't be choosers. Um, and I'm literally begging for the Sixers to please, for the love of God, just end the series because I, I don't want to – I really – I don't think I have the stomach for a game seven. I, I don't no. think I can uh, – I don't think I can do that again, so – the Knicks pulling a Trey Young would be quite the irony. <laughs> yeah, and it would be um, unlikely. I'll say that it looks <laughs> unlikely that we're going to be uh, seeing that series go on. But and I mean, I love the attitude of everybody on Twitter too, where like everyone's saying this this is effectively Game Seven. The Sixers have to approach this like it is Game Seven, like it's do or die. Leave it out on the court, finish this series up, and that way you don't even have to remotely think about. Oh, you know, we still have another game, you know, possible. Play game six on Thursday night like it is game seven, like it's a closeout, like it's a do or die game, and just have, like, everybody has to have that PJ Tucker mentality of just, like, going in and taking what's yours, and that's a victory at home in front of your home fans to advance you to the conference finals for the first time since 2001. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you really think about it, too, I mean, this could, and I'm emphasizing could. Because it's it's not there yet, but this could really be like a a playoffs where the the Sixers exercise a lot of demons. Because I think we all heard the stat going into Game Five, the Sixers were like oh and two hundred and seventy in Game Fives, and especially on the road, I'd never done that. And you know, you you go into a into a team and a place that has really historically given you a lot of problems, and over the last few years has end of your season multiple times a lot of times in embarrassing fashion like it's not mm-hmm. it's not even like you know the, the toronto series or that was hard fought i mean a lot of times like it's been pathetic performances and just completely outclassed by boston so um you know the, the ability to to put that 
you know, kind of in your rear view mirror is, is a really big opportunity. I think again, mentally for this team, like I do, I do wonder, you know, too, like we've seen that this year, even with the Phillies where, you know, you have like the long playoff drought and, you know, it felt like they did get over the first hurdle. And then it's like, they, you know, again, a team that is historically given the Phillies a lot of heartbreak in the Cardinals and the Braves. And, you know, obviously it doesn't end in glory. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would also be like deeply and darkly funny if the Sixers do make it to the finals and then like the lose, fourth team to do it, lose to Denver. And like, we, oh. <laughs> I would end it all. There. And we just, and we just become the city that lost like every championship possible um, within a year. Thank, shout out to the Flyers for actually, yeah. uh, for, for making sure that there's no chance of that happening. But, <laughs> They did lose the lottery in very Flyers fashion. Of course, of course they did. Um, they're not even good at losing. No, they're like they're, 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 the Flyers are actively bad at everything. They're not. There's not a single thing good about the Flyers. The uh, the Wells Fargo Center tomorrow has to be just like an insufferable Thunderdome too. Like if you're going to the game, you have to be part of you know the energy catalyst that helps get behind the Sixers, makes it uncomfortable for all those Celtics players, makes it uncomfortable for Missoula, and makes him want to retire after coaching a year. Like, make it such an insufferable environment to where you are, you know, effectively part of the game. Yeah, I think, you know, we when we were highlighting the series too, the, the two advantages that the Sixers had coming into the series was Joel Embiid, which was uncertain because, you know, we mm-hmm. didn't we really did not know his status uh, when, you know, before the series and how available and, and what he was going to look like. And then is is Doc. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's not often that Doc is pre-series like a, a better coach because um, I, I think, again, if, if you're it's way too early to talk about conference finals matchups. But, you know, like I am worried about a hypothetical Doc Spolstra matchup in the conference finals that does not fill me with a lot of joy. But, you know, it is it is a an advantage in this series against Boston. Like and I don't necessarily think Joe Mazzula is a bad coach. Um he's an inexperienced coach. He's an inexperienced coach, which is always tough in the playoffs. Like if you just look down the line of like rookie like head coaches to perform really well in the playoffs it's like Ime Odoka last year mm-hmm. in Boston like it's it's really not common for for rookie head coaches to not just be well in the playoffs but to win a championship like that is a that is a big challenge across every sport it is is not a an easy thing to do um I do think that he's doing some questionable things um but I I don't think that he's been awful uh but I I wouldn't be shocked either if Boston and I think both of these teams, both of these coaches are probably coaching for their jobs here. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think if, if the Sixers fall out here, um, I, I, I would be very hard for me to see Doc being back next season. Yeah. And I, I think if the Celtics end up losing this series, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked to see. Because let's not forget, too, Joe Mazzulla was not really their first choice either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the Ime Odoka thing was sort of something that just happened. You know, it was not a... He's moving on. Like this was like a crisis that they had to handle, and they had some other guys leave. Like Will Hardy goes to Utah, and he probably would have been their their number one choice from within to promote. And they didn't have that option. Um, they had another coach leave to go to, to Georgia Tech. Like they, they had a lot of assistant coaches sort of uh, leave the team within the past year, and then you have the Udoka situation where now he's not <laughs> available anymore. Um, and so Joe Mazzulla was sort of the best option available. Um, but I don't I don't think he was really their first choice mm-hmm. and I, I do wonder if maybe there's someone out there that that they're looking at in the offseason even if they you know do it you know like who knows but um yeah I I, I think he's he's someone and, and Doc is someone that are both I think uh 
coaching to not be golfing yeah. in, in the summer. Um, and it feels like, you know, like you brought up the Phillies, you know, exercising those demons against the Cardinals in the playoffs this past fall. Like, the Sixers have an opportunity here. You win game six. It feels like you really are pushing a dagger into this Celtics organization that, like, they lose. They have a lot of questions to answer this offseason with Jalen Brown potentially leaving. You know, you have uh, a lot of older guys on the on the bench. You have the Horford question. Like, there's a lot of questions that will need answering from this Celtics team if they bow out in the second round here and the Sixers being able to be the team that that is the catalyst for that is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, there's stakes for both teams because everything you could say about Boston, you could say about Philly too. You know, um, there's a giant James Harden question. Um, there's a uh, on the horizon Joel Embiid question, right? If this team doesn't make it out of the second round again, um, and if, if if Harden leaves, it makes it really hard because this team is not in a position to really go out and make moves. It's not like they're they're freeing up cap space if that happens. Um, so yeah, I mean, there there are question marks no matter who loses this series. Whoever loses this series is going to have a really bad time over the next few weeks. And again, you know, obviously the Sixers up three two in the series, but it could very easily tomorrow night we could be sitting around at a little after ten o'clock mm-hmm. thinking, shit, you know, we got to <laughs> go to Boston win a game seven, and that is, um, I mean, that's that's not an easy thing to do. So, um, so much is riding on on tomorrow night for both teams. And um, listen, I. I I don't know. I <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I I, I think um, I think the Sixers have a good shot, but I I do just get worried about the fact that uh, you know I I have to imagine Boston has a response. And last time I felt this way, they beat the brakes off the Sixers in uh, in Game Two, and so I I do wonder that that maybe there's uh, that emotional response by Boston tomorrow night, and you know we we get something good, and maybe they adjust a little bit. Maybe maybe Jalen Brown is allowed to shoot the ball a little bit more because he's been absolutely just a murderer for us this series so um it'd be good if he's still limited to under like 15 shots but um yeah i uh i i I do i do have a little fear about tomorrow night it was nice too in game four as like whole body clenching as it was to see marcus smart miss not only the go-ahead shot that the game goes to overtime but then doesn't get the shot off in overtime and uh kind of confetti game lights the Celtics and and kind of gets revenge for us there. That was very fun to see. Um, and speaking of golf, speaking of shots, Matt, our friends at Wasted Wedge uh, have delivered a new age of golf. And if you're looking to be the talk and envy of your group and create memories with your friends and family, look no further than their lineup of Wasted Wedge products and merchandise. These Wasted Wedges are a blast. I want you to think your your traditional shot ski apparatus that you had back in the day, but it's a lot more easy to carry around it's compactable can fit right in the side pocket of a golf bag and uh it's a lot less mess there's no hot glue involved there's no glass involved it's all plastic uh shot glasses and everything easy to keep clean and versatility you can drink any alcohol out of these things and uh they're a blast to drink shots out of on and off the course you guys can check them out at wastedwedge.com or find them at wasted wedge on instagram and facebook that's wastedwedge.com and at Wasted Wedge on Instagram and Facebook. Make sure you follow them over there. It is a World Golf Day as we record this as well. So remember the name, WastedWedge.com. Shoot your shot here, Matt. Who is, uh, who's the, the player to watch in your book or the player that you think needs to 
you know, be that X factor in game six for the Sixers to win? Um, I'm, I'm going to go very obvious and very simple. I think, think if Embiid scores, like if you told me right now, Embiid has like 36 and 13 tomorrow, I feel very good about us winning. Um, he has been like the, the bellwether for this team, you know, all year. Like we have owed owe so much of our success to him. If he has another really good performance tomorrow night, I have to believe that that means uh, we probably get the win. Um, even someone like Tobias, though, Tobias is, I think, again, you know, I've used him as a litmus test earlier. Like, if you tell me Tobias has like 22, and he's like, uh, where do I sign? You know, he's like <laughs> 7 of 16 or something. Like, you know, like a pretty decent night for him. Yeah, but it's like, he gets that off of like three threes or something. You know, like, I, I think that's really, um, I think that's really where I, I I'm looking at, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I I think Embiid though is is who we kind of have to depend on to to carry us home because uh, we started to see him definitely be a little more aggressive too in the last two games and, and working his way to the paint. He, I think he was a little too passive, and again, part of that is probably his injury. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we cannot understate the fact that he's playing on an injury that he really shouldn't be playing on probably. Um, but you know, I think we. Wanted him to be a little more physical and, and get down in, in the paint, and we definitely saw some more action like that, um, especially in the most recent game. So um, hopefully, you know that continues because I, I think that's where he can be really dominant against the Celtics team. They don't have an answer for him. Like Rob Williams no. has not looked good this series. Um, speaking of a guy that played on an injury, he probably shouldn't have played on last year. But you know, I, I think they really don't have a, a big answer defensively for Embiid. Um, and even I, I think offensively, you know, the Celtics have not been able to exploit him as badly as they were, um, you know, in, in the most recent games. I think they've uh, the Sixers have, have sort of figured out uh, ways to sort of skirt around, you know, the way that they were dragging him out. So, yeah, my my I'll go two picks as well. One of mine is Tobias. Like you see the difference. Uh, game five, Tobias has 16 and 11. And even that is is such an improvement from what he had in games three and four. Like game four, he had seven points and played in like played the most minutes of the entire team. I think he played over forty minute, forty five minutes. I want to say, including overtime. Having seven points from Tobias Harris is just unnecessary, uncalled for, and I feel like everybody, you know, w- was just disgusted with that, including Tobias himself. Like. He knows that he can't just go out and have seven points in 45 minutes. So to see him step up, get a double-double in Game 5, Tobias Harris needs to be somebody who steps up, even as the third, fourth option, whatever it may be. He needs to be a contributor, uh, both offensively, getting rebounds, and that's something that we've seen the Sixers struggle with at times in this series is getting those second-chance opportunities, whether it's offensive or defensive. So you need Tobias to step up rebounding-wise, and you need Tyrese Maxey to step up again. You know, there there were moments in game four where it's, you know, it is James Harden, it's Joel Embiid, and Joel's, you know, faltering in the fourth quarter, probably because of the injury. He's gassed. To have Tyrese Maxey as your third leading scorer who only scored 14 points, that's when you end up in an overtime game that ends in a one-point win. You need Tyrese Maxey. You need his energy that he brings, uh, just his quickness and his agility to get to the bucket, to score, get to the line. Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris are hands down my two guys that that need to take their shots. Maybe a little wasted wedge, light, nothing with the the hard alcohol until after game six. Uh, But those are my two guys that you need to see those guys step up as your third and fourth options uh, behind Embiid and Harden. And I don't even think, you know, Harden's performance in game five was was bad. Like you said, you know, he still had 17 points, finished with a double-double, if I'm not mistaken. 
or close to it, but he got to the line 10 times. And that's what you want to see from this Sixers team, too, is get to the line, draw fouls, um, and hopefully Scott Foster is in Phoenix for game six and not Philadelphia. Yeah, that was definitely the uh, the tough part, too, is that the Sixers really, especially in, in game four, part of the reason they, they really hurt themselves, they had, I think, like three fouls within a minute, and you just you put yourself in the bonus for almost an entire quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a, a similar issue in game five, so discipline is going to be really important um part of that has definitely been some some shaky calls let's be honest uh but you know i i think they really have to be mindful of that because uh that really could have i, I think burned them it could have ended their season in mm-hmm. game four uh, you know and um whether the the, the refs are in, in our minds fair or not you know, like you, you can't put them in a position to make those calls and hopefully marcus smart is not allowed to just throw himself to the ground it's just some of the most egregious things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, this man does every playoff. So um, hopefully we can avoid that. But yeah, that is definitely an area to focus on too, is um, not letting the Boston Celtics, because it allows them to be so much more aggressive too, mm-hmm. because any contact they get now when they're, you know, and they, and they have the ability to, to really go downhill, you know, any contact now is two on the line. And that is, um, that is an easy way to, to lose a game. hundred percent. And like, you just got to be disciplined. Like you said, and, it feels like anytime PJ Tucker breathes, it's a foul. Um, so hopefully that doesn't occur in game six. Uh, and like we said, if you're going to game six, bring it. Like, leave everything out there in the stands uh, responsibly, of course. Uh, but make it hell for the Boston Celtics if you're going to be in the stands for game six. Um, and get your get your big Kennys at the Wells Fargo Center, too. Kenwood Beer in the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's a refreshing light beer, just 4.1% ABV, 127 calories, 10 grams of carbs, and it looks like they're doing a little rebrand on their logo too. Looks real nice. Go check out their social media to see that. Uh, go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker and see us Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. Buy Kenwood Beer at your local Philadelphia area liquor store, or if you're in Eastern Pennsylvania. You can also get it at your local Whole Foods. Light body, light calories, plenty of flavor. The best light beer on the planet. Must be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Matt, the fight in Phil's. Get the uh, the series dub, a nice little two-game sweep of the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, now on a three-game win streak before they head out west to take on the Colorado Rockies and San Francisco Giants. Walk it off today in extra innings. They're now 1-1 one one in extra inning games this year. And Mundo Sosa scores the winning run. And uh, the unfortunate news, though, is Jose Alvarado now on the injured list with left elbow inflammation. Hate that. Hated that. Hated that notification with a passion. Um, but the Phils look like they're getting back on track. Sitting at 18-19 and 19 now. And... Uh, Hopefully a, a nice dose of Coors Field will uh, wake up the bats well, even more. Well, we thought Colorado coming to Philly might help us out. But, yeah, you know, Coors is a – it is like taking a PED, you know, <laughs> playing there. So, hopefully um, – you know, last time that, you know, we had uh, with that really rough uh, L.A. series, that was uh, that was obviously tough, and I think they've rebounded quite well from, from that. I think the, the Philly season has, has been like a, just a metronome all year. You know, it feels like we've been – in some good rhythm at times, and then we're, we're falling out of it um, pretty consistently. You know, it just feels like every other week we feel like really good about this team, feel bad about this team, feel good about this, you know. 
Um, they have not found that consistency yet. Um, pitching, I think, is still the issue, and I think it's it's an issue if you look league-wide as well. Um, I don't know that the pitching clock is like necessarily the reason, but you know, you look at ERAs just around the league, and you look at scoring ar- around uh, the league now, and I think in general everything is up, and um, I think this might be a year where we kind of have to reassess a little bit, like how we um, – what do we call like a good pitching season now? Like, and you know, we, I think we've lamented that Phillies pitchers haven't made it deep into games. Um, maybe it's because it's, you're having to do everything so much quicker now, you know? And I think fatigue is probably setting in a lot earlier. Um, you know, what would probably would have felt more like a seven inning game is now, you know, being condensed into like a four and a half inning game, right? Like uh, just, that's the pace, you know, that, that you're having to play at. So I think, um, I think a, a team that, that could maybe bolster the bullpen in the back of the rotation, um, a.k.a. the Phillies, <laughs> you know, that that's clearly going to be the objective, I think, at the trade deadline. Um, you did get a good Taiwan Walker game uh, mm-hmm. the other night, which is uh, a positive sign because he's he's someone that definitely invested some money in this offseason. We're hoping to come in and, and really solidify, like, third, fourth spot in this rotation, be a good, like, back-end guy for you. Um, had not been that up to that point, and so we're going to have to see you know, hopefully that's a that is a sign of like positive uh, regression for him, and that you know he's kind of on a on a better track because if the Phillies are going to have a successful year. It's not riding on Taiwan Walker, but he's going to be a big piece. You need him to be an effective starter uh, for for the Phillies to to be a playoff team and and to have success in the playoffs. You're going to need him. Well, I do have positive news from a pitching standpoint, Matt. Number one, set to make his debut in Colorado this weekend. Our boy, Ranger Suarez, coming off the injured list. They're still figuring out which game uh, he will pitch in, but Ranger will make his season debut out in Colorado uh, this coming series. Yeah, that's and that's a, that's a huge boost as well. Um, and that's someone I, I'm curious to see just how he's uh, – because there's a lot of excitement for him coming into last season. Mm-hmm. I think struggled, especially over the first like third of the year. And once we got into the summer, I think started to really figure things out again. And we, we saw that, um, you know, and hopefully we can get, what was that, end of 2022 uh, Ranger Suarez, or 2021 Ranger Suarez, the last few months of that season, he really seemed lights out. And, seemed and like he, playoff Ranger. Right, like, and we saw him in the playoffs have good performances too. So um, that's someone I think that reintroduced back into the lineup, back into the team, and it, is a real, it can be a real positive boost for the Phillies. And then, uh, I don't know if you saw this, this is the first time I'm seeing it, Uh making his way to Philadelphia for the start of this Blue Jays series to uh, meet with the Phillies medical staff and pitching coaches and participate in a throwing program. Now 20 year old Andrew Painter. Don't mind if I do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Obviously he's still rehabbing that, that UCL strain from spring training. His rehab process uh, involved rest rather than surgery. uh, But, According to Rob Thompson, he hasn't had any setbacks and everything's been fine. Um, so maybe, maybe we're on the precipice of Andrew Painter making his big league debut, which he would be the first player. Um, if he were to have made the team out of spring training, he would have been the first player from the first round of his draft class to make it to the majors despite uh, coming out of high school. But that would be a lovely addition, especially, you know, he, he's had his moments, but as of late, Bailey Falter has just been killing this team in terms of just not being able to go deep in games. He's taxing the bullpen. That's already been taxed a ton simply because, you know, like we mentioned, Taiwan Walker hasn't been able to go deep into games until this past start. Matt Strom has been phenomenal. 
but for a guy who can only go five, really, you're you're putting stress on your bullpen even more. And now with Alvarado injured, like you're you're gonna need this bullpen as healthy as possible. So if Andrew Painter can make his way uh, into this rotation sooner rather than later, that would be a welcomed addition, I think, for the for the Phillies and and just knowing that their starting pitching is that much deeper now that they have a guy that they were hoping was going to potentially make the rotation out of spring training. It, it, it does worry me a little bit. Anytime someone is having like UCL problems and it's, Oh, well he just needed rest and not to, like, I don't know. <laughs> Ask Alvarado. <laughs> just makes me nervous. The weird thing with Alvarado was he said it felt like it was his wrist. I just, and then today the designation for the injured list was left elbow inflammation. Just, uh, that just makes me nervous because that's that's the nerve, right? You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Not a doctor. Just makes me nervous. That's all. Uh, don't Brock Purdy us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's get to our favorite thing, the NL East run differential. Uh, looking at it right now, the Atlanta Braves sitting at the top of the division at 25 and 11. The Miami Marlins in second place at 19 and 19. The New York Mets at 17 and 19. The Phils now at 18 and 19. Uh, don't know if any of the other teams were playing this afternoon or not. And then the Nationals at 16 and 21. Looking to see if anybody else is playing currently. The Mets right now leading 2-1 over the Reds in the bottom of the fourth. The Braves are tied 0-0 with the Red Sox in the bottom of the second. And the Marlins uh, did in fact win today, and that got them to 19 and 19. Um, but right now, Matt, the Atlanta Braves <laughs> leading the way. Yeah, must must be nice. But only with a plus sixty-two run differential. Yeah, only, only. Just it's just a casual, casual seven-game lead on the division. It's <laughs> cool. The Miami Marlins with the most Marlins run differential ever, sitting at nineteen and nineteen, uh, in second place. Yet they have a negative fifty-four run differential. Just terrorism, just absolute <laughs> terrorism. The Lowell New York Mets at 17 and 19 right now, two and eight in their last 10 on a three game losing streak, sit at a negative 11 run differential. Uh, they've scored 156 runs, which is about almost 30 more than the Miami Marlins, who are ahead of them in the division, given up far less, uh, but they are at a negative 11. The Phillies after today. Don't know if the uh, run differentials updated or not, but they are sitting at 18 and 19 now. So technically ahead of the Mets, uh, who are currently playing right now. There we go. There's the update. Uh, Phil's on a three-game win streak. Seven and a half games back in the division. One and a half back in the wild card. Negative 24 run differential, and most of that damage was done from that Dodgers series. As before that, they were sitting at a negative four, and right there. And that Rangers series. and <laughs> But the nice thing with the, the Rangers series was, like, they made that up in other games yeah. for the most part. And then the Dodgers series happened. You just got absolutely shellacked and swept and uh, nullified all of that. Baseball um, shouldn't be played in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Phillies have the second most runs scored in the division right now behind the Braves. Yeah, I mean, the, the offense has been um, pretty good this year. You know, they've mm-hmm. been uh, above average. You know, they haven't been elite, but... Um, and there's, I, I think, some underlying stuff that says they could probably be even a little bit better than they are. And I think that's also when you consider Bryce Harper's work, he's way back in. Um, Cassianos has been good this year. Like, it's definitely, we've seen guys like Marsh cool off a little bit, which, you know, 
Of course, he's not going to be hitting a 1,300 OPS for the year, but um, he's come back down to earth a little bit. But I, I think in general, we've seen this offense uh, still be very good. And, uh, you know, th- that's a positive sign that, you know, that there hasn't really been a huge regression there or huge issues. Um, and that was a big reason why that this team was able to, to catch a, a little bit of a spark last year. So uh, it's good to have that back. Brandon Marsh still hitting 317 on the year. Yeah. 413 on base percentage, 587 slugging. Still got a 1,000 OPS. 1,000 OPS is like a good year. That's like a, that is an all-star. You know, 1,300 is just like you are the best player in yeah. baseball. <laughs> and for Brandon Marsh, who was a guy that like, you know, coming in last year, it was, oh, we got to fix his swing. That's the thing that's got He's got the gold glove uh, caliber defense, but, you know, we got to we got to work on the swing. To be at a 1,000 OPS, you know, half of a season last year with Kevin Long and now uh, a spring training and a month into the year with him now, I think. Dave Dombrowski was right. You know, all they, they had some minor tweaks that they had to make to Brandon Marsh's swing to uh, improve what they, they saw in him. Uh, but the Phillies had a negative 24 run differential. The big thing, too, is like they just haven't been all that great on the road. They're 7-12 and 12 away from Citizens Bank Park this year. And hopefully a nice little dose of the Colorado Rockies and San Francisco Giants will fix that. Um, the stolen franchise Washington Nationals. 16 and 21 on the year, 149 runs scored, 170 runs against for a negative 21 run differential. I can't believe they won a fucking World Series. (laughs) It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Absolute crime. Luckiest World Series. I will say this, and this is controversial. That is the worst thing to happen to Washington, D.C. of the last decade. (laughs) That is the worst thing that's ever. It's the worst thing that's happened down there. I don't. I don't. You know. I don't watch the news, so I don't know what else has been going on. But that has to be. That has to have been the worst thing that has happened. I think. I think you could truly, just out of DC sports alone, make a top five worst things that have happened in the last decade in the Washington DC area. I just cannot believe they won a championship. Daniel Snyder's emails. Yeah. The railing which, falling which down. Which Daniel Snyder's emails? <laughs> I think four of the five are probably uh, commander stuff. Yeah. So. The Sean Taylor mannequin. That is, I don't think that's in the top five. It's bad, but I don't think that's top five. True. I think it was, I think it was again, out of everything even the commanders have done, I don't even know if that's top 20. The railing almost falling I on Jalen Hurts. Like, Congress and the DEA are not raiding the facility because of the <laughs> Sean Taylor mannequin like they are doing for other things, you know? The IRS is not pulling records from the Washington commanders uh, because of, of what they did. Daniel uh, Snyder selling the team to Joshua Harris. What the fuck is up with Joshua Harris, by the way? <laughs> Absolute cretin. He's like, how could I possibly hate me? Every Sixers fan hate me. Harris Blitzer Entertainment has the weirdest ownership collective of sports teams ever. It is just ugly duckling. The Sixers, the Devils, now soon to be commanders, and then David Blitzer is like a minority owner of the Cleveland Guardians. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I'll never get it. That's okay. Um, FSG owns Liverpool. I have staked in the Pittsburgh Penguins of all people. So it's just truly, truly just the worst timeline. Um, Phillies in third place, though, in the division. One game back of the – or half game back of the Marlins, I should say. Uh, that's why you got to handle business against your NL East opponents, though, especially this year. Like we've said, with the way the, the schedule is and it's not as many games um, 
against your division as you typically have. So when those division games roll around, it's going to be important. And we are ever so close, Matt, to four games on Memorial Day weekend against the Atlanta Braves, followed by games against the Mets and the stolen franchise Washington Nationals, which will really be a, a huge moment, I think, for the early portion of this Philly season is that 10-game stretch all on the road against the Braves, Mets, and Nationals. Yeah, and how many times, too, do we see stats in early September? Like, since June mm-hmm. 5th. Since June you know, 1. You know, like, it's it's always, like, that is, I think, the real, like, demarcation line for a lot of, like, baseball stats yeah. and, um, you know, where, where teams sort of, like, take their shape. I don't I don't think it's a coincidence that all the time we see teams, like, since June 1st. It was the Astros last year. Mm-hmm. Right? They obviously ended up winning the World Series. Even for the Phillies, though, you know, yep. like, was if you look at them post-June, you know, and that was obviously – Post-Girardi fired. Post-Girardi you know, with with, with a, a new a new kind of a team almost, mm-hmm. it it uh it does change the way you can view the season. So that is where, like you know, the NBA we talk a lot about how, you know, it's really not till uh till after Christmas that you really start to feel the impact of all the games. Um, you know, and it starts to feel a lot more real. Um, but every game matters too. You know, every year we sit in in middle of September and lament the dumb losses that we had in May and June. Um, and just think, you know, if two or three of those went a different way, you know, what a, a better spot we would be in. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully you won't regret too much. Looking around the standings and run differentials of the rest of baseball, this is how dumb the NL Central is. The 17 and 19 Chicago Cubs have the best run differential in their division at plus 42, while the Pittsburgh Pirates are 1 and 9 in their last 10, still have a plus 10 run differential sitting at the top of the NL Central uh, at 21 and 17. The Dodgers back on top in the NL West at 23 and 15. They have a plus 48 run differential. Uh, and the two teams that the Phillies are playing uh, in their next two series, the Colorado Rockies 16 and 22, the San Francisco Giants 16 and 20. With the offense the way that it is now, Bryce Harper back in. And like you said, Castellanos is playing unbelievable this year. Like, true candidate right now as we sit here on May 10th. If he continues to play the way he is, like, He's a comeback player of the year candidate. Absolutely. Um, Just added added to the collection. And, I mean, his brother tweeted today, uh, if Nick wins the gold glove, that creates world peace, correct? I think so. I think that's what the people are saying. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks are the number one wild card team right now, up a half a game on the San Diego Padres. They've been fun, but that's a team that, like, you don't know how long – their run of of consistency is going to last uh, throughout an entire season. They're very young. They have some veterans on that team. Or did they not have a similar sort of streak last year? I feel like they were hanging around last year as well and fell off. And then they kind of fell off in like, I want to say like late June, early July and things kind of came crashing down. I think the biggest development so far through the first month and now month and a half of the season is that the St. Louis Cardinals are destroyed. I don't know what happened. They moved um, their catcher off of uh, what's his name? Why am I? Uh, Wilson Contreras. They moved him out of catching. Out of catching. They we're going to move him to the outfield, and then they said, "Oh, we're not going to move him to the outfield now." They just, just signed him to a five-year, like eighty-seven million dollar contract. Yikes! <laughs> JT Realmuto, uh, Jersey owners, hide, hide your eyes, avert your gaze. Thirteen and twenty-four are the St. Louis Cardinals this we, year. I think it's safe to say we broke the St. Louis Cardinals. And Which is I great. the world is a better place for it. So. It is role reversal because they did the same to us in 2011. Yeah. As soon as we lost to them we in the playoffs. one Paul Goldschmidt, please. 
it's amazing. It's incredible. Um, I, I feel like the Bugs Bunny meme. I wish a very <laughs> smooth downfall to the St. Louis Cardinals. Funeral to make sure he's actually dead. <laughs> Uh, and looking in the American League, the Tampa Bay Rays still leading the pack at a plus 116 run differential at 29 and 8. What a division the American League East is this year. Bloodbath. Like, I mean, it wasn't an easy division last year either. Uh, every team is over 500 right like, uh, now. The the Red Sox were like pretty good and were like just not even close. Yeah, like they uh, that that is that is I think the hardest division. Yankees in last place at 21 and 17. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> um. And then you compare it to the AL Central, where the Minnesota Twins are in first place at 19 and 17. Must be what nice. a division! What a division to live in. Um, the AL West, Texas Rangers. I, I don't feel as bad about that opening series against the Rangers right now. They're 22 and 14 with a plus 82 run differential. Degrom's hurt, which is expected, but they're playing really good baseball. And the fact that the Phillies, you know, got mollywopped, they lost that series, like. I don't feel as terrible about that now looking back at it. I mean, I still feel bad about it. But I feel know, bad, but like it's not. At least not, it wasn't a bad team that did it to us. Right. Know, but, it's not uh, like the Rangers are now sitting at, you know, 13 and 24 and took two out of three from the Phillies there, or whatever it was, three out of three and swept them. Um, the Oakland A's, Matt. <laughs> Eight and 30 on the season. A negative 142 run differential on May 10th. I don't know if we talked about it or not, but the A's are offering now a summer package for tickets. 37 games for $99. Well, you know, not a bad day out. So you they they're averaging about twenty five hundred fans right now. Just you sad. could you could go to a game and sit in any seat you want every single inning. Just sad. <laughs> it's brutal. I um I posed this question to Pat Pitts on uh, the last episode, too. The A's feel like a prime team right now for, like, a collective of athletes to go in and, and purchase that team from their current ownership group. No shot. They want to move to Vegas they, so bad. They, they want to. big bailout. It's just – it sucks. But they feel like that type of team that, like, yeah, that would be the case because they're at an all-time low right now. Um which is brutal. And even after they signed the land agreement in Vegas, they're now looking at other places because Kyler Murray, first uh, player owner. Uh, <laughs> didn't even think of that. He's got, he's got that nice little contract. Maybe, maybe the Carters just pay him to fuck off. <laughs> if he was able to do that and the A's get to the playoffs, just like Kyler played baseball in October, yeah. it's a lot easier to, uh, to manage than, uh, playing football and playing Call of Duty. <sighs> Poor A's fans. If you're an A's fan, reach out to us because I just want to pick your brain. I'm sending you my best. How you're handling this right now. Um, Matt, we, we haven't talked about it since it happened, but unfortunately the Philadelphia Union did uh, end up losing to LAFC in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um but they are they are back at it doing their thing and um still trying to kind of find their way in in MLS play but seem to be finding a groove as of late. Yeah, they um got to two comp competitions within a week. So they lose to, to Minnesota last night in the US Open Cup. Um 
it's been a, a tough season so far just because uh definitely a lot of travel and things like that but um i'm 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 ringing the i'm ringing the alarm bell a little bit because i'm just not seeing the consistent performances like we uh we were hoping for and offensively this team has not hit the the levels that we kind of became accustomed to now granted they did not hit those levels um until you know mid-season last year it wasn't really until the, the summer that we started to see this team click and uh, but you know they're they're a little ways off of where they were this time last year um, I think it's like four or five points difference so you know there, there's I think a little bit of cause for concern here and you know it just feels it just feels tough to you know it's obviously losing the semifinal against LA that was always going to be just such a, a huge emotional challenge more than anything and um, I just did not feel good about that matchup because I think one of the problems for this team this year has been so often you see teams that, you know, make it to, to championships or to finals and, you know, have a tough year next year. I think a lot of times that can, you kind of just want to, you're kind of playing every game. Like it, it reminds me of the bills in the NFL, right? Where it's like, they're so obsessed with beating the chiefs and they're so like scarred by that one game. Mm -hmm. You kind of start making choices about just based off of that and start making, um, I, I don't know, like you, you make your whole season about that game or about that moment. And you kind of have a tendency, I think maybe to overlook the more important things right in front of you. I don't know if that's what's happening in the union, but it just feels, feels like that type of year so far, but still plenty of time to turn it around. But, you know, as, as we approach the summer months, you hope that they do start to do that. hundred percent. And, uh, they'll look to get back on track. Um, as pulling up their schedule here next game uh on saturday on the road against colorado and then they have a midweek game uh at home against dc united next wednesday so hopefully things start to kind of click and feels like for the union this year memorial day is going to kind of be the the first litmus test as well see where they are after the month of may and then uh progress from there looking at the standings right now they're currently in seventh place uh, with a whole bunch of other teams, you know, tied with 14 points. So still not too crazy out of reach, you know, to, to get into the top three. Nashville's in third right now in the East with 18 points. Um, so it is still very doable to, to climb the table right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're 10 points off the top, but, um, you know, you have so much of a season left. It's, it's not time to say it's not doable, but you have put yourself in a hole early in the season. I will say, you know, we talked about this before the season, though, you know, um, number one seed doesn't get that uh, doesn't get that buy anymore in, mm -hmm. in MLS and so that's uh, I think uh, a, I, I, I don't know why they do away with that advantage I think uh, you should definitely reward teams for, for having the, the best record in their respective conference by by doing that so um, you know you maybe maybe it is better just to be you know a, a three or four seed you know rather than than really bust it to, to get to number one because it doesn't really provide you a whole lot and you know there's there's uh, more games down the playoffs too so um, we'll see. I, I think, I think again, you know, they, they haven't hit their, their best form yet. And it is concerning that we're, you know, two and a half months into the season and we haven't seen this team play their, their best, uh, their best yet. So, um, I hope that we, we see that turnaround. Uh, one thing we forgot to mention with the Phils too, it was announced next year, Matt, uh, Phillies Mets series in the 2024 season in London. Gross. <laughs> Absolutely gross. They'll be playing in London. Uh, team that won't be playing in London, at least this year, is the Philadelphia Eagles. It's brought to you by our friends at Trophy Smack. There's no better way to upgrade your fantasy smack talk than with our friends at Trophy Smack. 
Go to trophysmack.com slash underground. Check out all the belts, metal wall art, trophies, rings. They do all the custom engravings as well. Trophysmack.com slash underground and upgrade your fantasy smack talk today. Matt, the NFL schedule comes out tomorrow. Uh, but we have gotten a few leaks uh, across the internet. Uh, most notably, the Eagles announcing that Christmas Day 2023, Eagles Giants at home at the link, 4.30 p.m., uh, is the first announced game for the Eagles this year. Get all your Christmas money together responsibly and bet on all the Boston Scott touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another leak uh, that was kind of surfaced was Jason and Travis Kelsey's mom posting on Facebook that week two will be Eagles at Chiefs, not the Thursday night opener that everybody's expecting, so not too sure what that I will be. Understand that, um it's gonna be it's probably gonna be Bill's Chiefs or something. Like. Probably or Bill's Bengals. Yeah. Um but not sure if that's accurate or not, but that has been uh put out there by Mama Kelsey. And then I saw a tweet earlier today that uh the NFC championship game rematch is gonna take place. The tweet has since been deleted, so not sure if it's a hundred percent accurate, but December third Eagles 49ers uh, will be taking place. So a little late season NFC Championship game rematch where the Eagles will hopefully decimate the 49ers' hopes and dreams once again. Um, but the NFL schedule release happening tomorrow, so we'll see when the Eagles are playing their known opponents uh, throughout 2023. But uh, Christmas Day, more than likely we're going to have Sixers and Eagles. I shudder to think of what the Sixers team could look like at Christmas. So, <laughs> so hopefully uh, the Eagles take care of business against the Giants uh, on Christmas Day. Long ways away from that, though, but uh, Matt Buffs and stuff. Survivor 44, brought to you by our friends at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com, check out all their sunglasses, blue light glasses, prescription lenses, and everything in between. Uh, Tyson Apostle, also part of the Tomahawk Shades family. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP at checkout for 25% off your order from our friends at Tomahawk Shades. The full tilt boogie went down last week, Matt, and Franny voted out uh, at Tribal Council. Now, uh, things are getting a little bit tighter. Our boy Danny survives yet another week, somehow, someway. Um, this week's episode titled, I'm Not Worthy. And uh, we'll see what happens. But your thoughts on last week's episode and, and Franny getting the boot. She had become a challenge uh, beast, as, as we talked about last week. And she had shown a real ability to, to win these individual challenges. And I think everyone kind of realized that not only is she good at the challenges, but everyone seems to like her. And that it would be probably hard to beat her at a final three. And so felt like uh, maybe an opportune time to do that. I, I do wonder, you know, because obviously Carolyn seemed to really appreciate Franny and have mm -hmm. a good relationship with her and did not want the vote to be on her. Um, and so I'm curious to see what that does. You know, obviously that was a big part of the promo for this week is that uh, Jam Jam and Carson uh, maybe maybe lost control a little bit of, of that alliance and that Carolyn is, is probably rightfully upset too because I, I think she's really been disrespected a lot by people who have just not listened to her or taken her seriously on on her advice or her strategy. So maybe this is an opportunity for her to sort of take her own game into her own hands. And uh, 
maybe maybe lead a little charge here and uh i would love to see it because she is an absolute pleasure to watch she is <laughs> just <laughs> honestly just a, a one of my one of my favorite survivor, survivors ever it would be electric it's gonna be fun to see what happens and we did get confirmation today matt that uh season 45 90 minute episodes of survivor coming in the fall which is great. I, I think that's a good thing and something that I think we've we've wanted for a while. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought last week was really interesting, and uh, you know I, I'm I think people are are we're gonna see like a good splinter this week. I really do because I I really do think Carolyn might just uh, might just break off and listen. Carson and Jam Jam have a lot of power in this game, but people are aware of that too. Like I, I don't think uh, they're flying under the radar necessarily. I think people have noticed that they they play the middle very well. Um, so I, I wouldn't even be necessarily shocked to see them split up, but Danny, I think has been on everyone's lips for the last like three or four tribals and has somehow sort of, uh, skated out from that. So, but there's a lot of people that I think are, are, in, uh, serious danger this week going on. Yeah. So remaining castaways, Jam Jam, Carson, Lauren, Heidi, Danny, Jamie, and Carolyn. It's going to get wild. I, I don't even know what to expect this week. Um, and on top of that, you know, the, the 90 minute episodes next season, I think is going to be great. Cause I think it's going to expand upon the kind of like flash away points that we get, you know, where it's like, how did that happen? And then they show you, oh, this happened, you know, off screen type of thing. Um, I think that's going to help kind of just tell the, the story of the season. I think you're going to get more background into the, the castaways and everything. Hopefully we get more, uh, more of those Jeff secret scenes. Like we did uh, when Survivor came back. So we'll see what happens with the 90-minute the episodes. But that was confirmed today as we record this. Um, so 90 minutes of Survivor upcoming for Season 45. Hopefully Danny survives another week. Um, but be sure to follow at Buffs and Stuffs on Twitter. And follow us at UndergroundPHI on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash UndergroundSportsPHI. Twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a five star review. It does continue to help the show grow, helps more people find underground sports Philadelphia, and, uh, you know, helps us take this thing to the next level. And go subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at underground sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of every podcast on our network, including this show twice a week. You get shorts, clips, live streams, the whole nine yards on our YouTube channel. We're at 452 subscribers right now, trying to get to 500 by Memorial Day. Uh, so go subscribe, youtube.com slash at underground sports Philadelphia. And this podcast, as always, presented by the City of Vineland. And whether you're a company looking to expand, relocate, or you're a business startup, selecting the right location is critical to your success. Vineland, New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life. The City's Economic Development Department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process. Their goal is to make this process as smooth as possible and to provide the fastest turnaround times in the region. If you're considering potential locations for your operation, Contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856-794-4100. That's 856-794-4100. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. Get your merch at phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all orders. 
And big thank you to Maine Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support of this podcast. But this has been episode number 532 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Hopefully the next time we're talking, the Sixers are in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Phil's Bats continue to come alive out in Colorado. But until then, we're getting the heck up out of here. We are signing off. Peace. Oh,